DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK, I've slowly been getting sucked into the golfing vortex. <laughs> I'm just getting pulled in. It's like some tractor beam, and it's just reeling me in. The golfing vortex. Sadly, sadly, my passion far outweighs my talent, my skill level. Uh, you've thrown yeah, me some tips. Yeah, you've made me better. More credit than that. You, you've thrown me some tips. I've gotten a little better. There is there are miles to go, but I can feel the improvement. There's no question. The last time we played, that you were substantially better. So, question, and this is legit because I before even I've always liked golf. I just never had the time, and I wasn't any good at it. But you know, the kids grow up, and it turns out they don't need you around. I got to do something. I'll go golf. When the weather gets bad this weekend. What percentage of Utah golfers keep playing? Because the level of bad weather we're going to get this weekend, I think, and I guess if there's a lot of wind, then you got to throw it out because the wind really wrecks everything. But playing in the rain, if you live somewhere, I know people lived in Northern California, people lived in Portland, you learn to deal with it. It's raining a little bit, you go out there and play. But at what level does everything shut down here? Uh, I think on a Saturday with so much stuff going on in the fall, I think it'll shut down to a good degree. Because, as you said, there is BYU's playing in the morning, and then SC Washington, and then you gear up. Utah State's at five thirty. The Utes are at eight, and they got tailgating. This is. It'll be pretty wide open Saturday if you want to go golf. I'm not going. I'm watching. I know you are. I know what you and I are doing. I just wondered. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The Zone. Mike M. Pac-12 Networks joining us now. Mike. Good morning. Morning, guys. Are we setting up a tea time for Saturday morning? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. Okay. Just uh, wanted to double check and make sure that wasn't the case. We know you guys are in town. I was watching inside the Pac-12 the other night, so I know, I think you're already here. Is that correct? No, yo- I will be there. I'm actually flying in tonight, and Yogi was there yesterday shooting a feature, okay. and he is going to check back in on Friday. So it's a little bit more of a, a whirlwind travel-wise for him. But uh, but I'm geeked up, man. Salt Lake is, is definitely one of my favorite spots. It's it's one of the places where the fans care. So to me, there's always like that added juice that comes with, with just being there around this program. And obviously what happened to both of these teams last week, it's, it's sort of this really important, crucial game for both squads is there I think both Utah fans certainly Utah and I think Washington State fans are probably thinking the same thing which is hey like we feel like we're good enough to go and win a Pac-12 championship yeah. problem is when you look at the standings right now you, you got to get this one yep. you know uh, the care factor matters because it plays into recruiting kids don't want to go play in a stadium that's empty where they can hear their voice echo back at them I've been to UCLA games a handful of games over the years, various opponents. I've been there when there's 50,000 in the stadium, when there's 70. I've been there when it's sold out for an SC game. And you talk about the fans in Utah care. Certainly, there's a lack of care factor right now. UCLA fans really turned off by the, year, by the last year and a half. How many other places is that a real issue? Because watching on TV, I think it's an issue at Stanford. Um, it's been an issue at Colorado. Maybe they're bouncing back a little bit. It's been an issue at Oregon State a little bit. How many schools is that really something that they're really working on attendance? Because they, they've got to do something. Yeah, I think you're, you're right about a couple of those spots in particular. I mean, look, the reality is the TV angles don't lie when you look into the crowd and, and you don't see a packed stadium. You know, I, I actually was at the UCLA-Washington State game this past weekend in Pullman. Uh, that's a fan base that really cares. It was sort of cool, though, to see a decent amount of UCLA alumni 
in the stands, which immediately I, I spent some time on, on the Washington State sideline, and then I went over to the UCLA one, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, you got these fans that'll make the trip up to Pullman. Like, why is it that that they're not filling up the Rose Bowl? Like, what's the issue here? And who knows? I mean, I think a couple of those teams, uh, Stanford excluded from the mix, although I know Stanford's not having a great season right now. Um, I point to the fact that they've played probably the four, they've probably played the toughest four-game schedule of any team in the entire country, besides the point for right now. We'll table that conversation. The other fan bases that you just talked about, like, it, it's you got to win. And some of those teams haven't won. Um, Colorado the other day, and, and certainly they, they came up with a big win against ASU, but the home game against Nebraska was sold out. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was like their highest revenue game for in like the last 15, 20 years, maybe even ever. I forget what the stat was, but it like shattered a bunch of uh, previous records by a lot. So at least there's, there's signs of life with that program uh, with Mel Tucker. And, you know, I mean, who knows if, if Jonathan Smith, and company are able to get a win against Stanford uh, this weekend, maybe there will be more fans showing up in Corvallis. We see that SC owns the tiebreaker over Utah, so there's been some angst here, which I think is kind of silly because the way this conference is, and I think this is the beauty of the conference, you look at an Alabama or whatnot, and you're going to pick maybe automatically they're going to have nine wins just by showing up, and these teams are a little top-heavy. But I can see... All of these teams, you look at both Washingtons, Oregon, SC, Utah, who are recognized as the favorites to win each division. I can see any of these teams losing two or three games, but at the same time, I can also see them winning these games and climbing up the national rankings. And I believe that what that's what makes the Pac-12 the fun conference that it is. Look, I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the entertainment value. Uh, five teams in the top 25. A couple weeks ago, we had six. There's been eight different teams that have sat in that AP top 25 so far this season. The depth of the league, I don't think anyone can argue. I, I would point to the Pac-12 conference and say it's the deepest league in the country. I know the critics will go and tell you that there's not an elite team, which I don't totally buy. I think it depends on how you classify elite. Um, and if you call it a top 10 program, look, I think the reality is by the end of the season, there's going to be an elite team. And elite teams aren't made in the preseason. They're not made in week number one. We don't know who they are in week one or two. But as the season unfolds, like I think there's there are teams that just get better. And if you're not getting better, there's a problem. So um, I look at health as a factor. I look at guys just growing in their roles. I mean, if you're telling me Washington or Oregon or Utah, if they're the same team in week one that they are in week seven, eight, or nine, like there's a problem there. Um, so I, I would point to consistent growth from a lot of these teams. But I think if you're a Utah fan, you're right. You should be at least a little nervous just because you're looking at the standings. You know what happened to that head-to-head, and you know the talent that SC has. I think the one thing that I would point to if I'm a Utah fan is consistency and toughness. And in my mind, Kyle Whittingham has had the toughest team in the league the last few years. Case in point, you would look at just the last year when Tyler and Zach go down, and they're still able to, to figure out a way to get to a Pac-12 championship game in a jumbled-up. Uh, South Division. Um, look, I, I still need to see more consistency from USC. And I think when Kyle and that staff goes back to the tape, and, and we had some opportunities to watch back large chunks of that game, it's like they weren't outplayed. Um, and there's a couple of explosives, and I think 
I think that's a cause for concern because we hadn't seen, nor did we think, uh, a Utah defense, specifically some of those guys in the secondary, would get beat like they did. So I think that was jarring for fans. But, you know, to me, I would just point to drives that weren't finished. Like, I, I didn't watch that game and go, man, like, Utah just got, got their doors blown out, blown off and, and got outplayed. Like, I didn't see it that way. Um, and I do think they're a more consistent team. So in my mind, I, I still think there is definitely a path to see Utah back in that championship game. So when we watch USC and Washington Saturday afternoon, are we going to see Chris Peterson and Washington getting it together? Are we going to see an obviously inexperienced team realize they're pretty talented, they're getting coached up, they're taking the next step, and Washington's about to go win a third title in four years, that this really is the class program in the league? Look, I, I think there's no doubt Chris Peterson's got one of the premier teams in this conference. Uh, you look at recent history, and then you just look at personnel on the squad. I, I think I think when you look at this team's defense, nine new starters, and they are young, and I think the one loss that they have, which was a weird game, uh, you know, Pac-12 well after midnight is what I would describe it, and an early Sunday morning finish when there's a two-and-a-half-hour lightning delay against Cal – their game plan, guys, was the right one. You know, I think you look at the tape and you look at evidence and you say to yourself, can Chase Garbers beat you? And the answer up until that game was no. So they wanted him to make and force him to make critical throws. Tip your cap to him. He did exactly just that in that fourth quarter. So I didn't look at the game plan as the wrong one for Washington. I just go, hey, really good win and nice job by the Cal Bears. Um, I think when you look at SC and a matchup like this, you know, Washington has had a lot of success against Washington State in this air raid offense. Now, I, I think it's different what Graham Harrell's doing. They're going to run the football a little bit more than Mike Leach is going to run it. But the reality is, like, they have so many moving parts. Like, we did a breakdown. I know you guys referenced inside Pac-12 football uh, on Tuesday night. And Yogi did a breakdown about, you know, this matchup in particular and what Washington has done historically against air raid defenses. And, you know, Matt Fink tip your cap to him, man. The dude balled out as a third-string quarterback against one of the premier teams, I think, in the entire country in Utah, and he gets that win. But I I still look at this Washington defense and the amount of movement. Like, if you compare uh, what that secondary has been doing against air raid offenses versus what Utah is doing, like, there's a significant step up in the challenge, um, just in terms of movement of personnel to make, and, and disguising things to make things difficult on the quarterback. Like, Matt, Matt is going to be, he's going to have his work cut out for him. If SC gets a win on the road, I, man, I, I don't know about Utah, to be honest with you, winning that South Division. And I know consistency is an issue, but if SC can get a win like that and already beat Utah, to me, the Trojans clearly thrust themselves into the favorite spot in that division. Yeah, if they win in Seattle, I'd have to agree with yeah. that. I was watching your show inside the Pac-12, but we've decided that we need to rename it and reclassify it as <laughs> Yam and Yogi. Uh, can you do me a favor? Like when we hit the break, if I gave you my boss's numbers, yeah. could you call them and pass that feedback along? Um, you know, it's funny, Yogi and I, it, it's guys like, and I appreciate you guys even watching and, and even bringing up uh, the fact that we're doing that show. It is so much fun 
and it's a 30 minute show and like we don't even get to get like everything in so Yogi and I have been doing like our own little web show that we've been posting on Instagram and Twitter where we do like everything that we don't get in the show uh, with a little bit more fun so I, I do appreciate it we don't call it the Yem and Yogi show it's called the one but because uh, it's it's basically like one topic or one game or one play or something like that that we focus in on but we've been having a blast uh, so I suggested yesterday during the show that Yam and Yogi should be the name of that show, and our producer, Jake Yock, quickly said, that sounds like a podcast. That's what you got going, this uh, you know, extra time. Whatever. It's a podcast. No, there it is, Yam and Yogi. No, just I wanted, run with it. I wanted an hour on a Pac-12 network. I bought Comcast so I can get the Pac-12 network. Oh, so I, I want that. I want Yam and Yogi with the banner, Why Watch? I like it. I, I, I once again, I'm seriously <laughs> going to give you guys my boss's number. Let's get this going. You know, Yogi's got like ten podcasts though, so like I don't like he is he's stretched thin in that world. He's got his personal one. He is his broadcast partner on games is Ted Robinson. They're doing a podcast with their producer Mike Bolinari on Sunday. So like there's there's content out there with Yogi, but um, you know we we're we're diving in deep on Tuesdays. And uh, like I said, it really has been a blast. But we, if it was up to us, we do a show every single day. Like, we love it. Why watch with Yogi and Yam? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So the can, only- come on, can we go Yam and Yogi? I okay, think Yam and Yogi's fine. I'll yam either way. But the why watch, you're playing off the why. Why watch yeah. with Yam and Yogi? I, I like There's it. There's no other I show in the country that like, can match that. I know. You're right. Like, what? <laughs> I think the Pac-12 Network is really dropping the ball. Yes. We need to get on this. I'm uh, calling Larry after now, the show. Now, I'll tell you <laughs> this. I'll tell you this, Mike. You can give me the number, but we're no longer joking around. If you tell me, tell these guys what you think, you got to be careful. PK, back me up. Do, I mean, haven't people learned not to do that? Because I'll just... Yeah, but you don't box them in a corner. You present them in a way that, <laughs> that will allow them to think it's their idea, and you run with it. That's the part I'm not I, so good look, at. And you, you, I'm with you there. Like, I have become muted in meetings. I think people are tired of hearing from me. You know, I've been at the network since we launched. This is our eighth season. So after eight years, sometimes the message coming out of my mouth is not resonating in the in that room. So I have uh, I've leaned on guys like Yogi, who have, like, this great demeanor and this charming charisma where they, like, everyone loves them. So, like, hey, Yogi, I think you should suggest this. Like, <laughs> it, you know, Rick Neuheisel used to tell me a story when he worked with us. He said when, they, when he was a coach at UCLA – and Mike Riley was at Oregon State. They'd be in coaches' meetings, and the coaches would all want to do something. And they all say, well, we can't ask. If we ask Mike Riley to ask, we'll get it done. Because, you know, Mike goes in there, the golly geez, and oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah, like this. So I, I think this is the game plan for, the, uh, for that show. So the second thing I would change with the network, since you've now given me the keys to the castle and the phone <laughs> number, is the scheduling in the Pac-12 Everyone complains about the way the SEC schedules, and the Pac-12 should copy it. Maybe not the eight conference games, nine conference games. They get that. But the SEC sprinkles the Citadels, the lower division teams, throughout the schedule to create at least semi-bye weeks. The Pac-12, from the get-go, Larry Scott said, you have to play the three weeks so we have maximum flexibility. No, because now the Pac-12 network, you guys had like six games week three. You couldn't even get it. You had to regionalize some of them. Nobody has enough content here. You should be spreading those out throughout the year. You're going have games where you have weeks where you have zero or one game it doesn't make any sense yeah the 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 scheduling has been something we've talked about internally a a ton and and i think you're right when you compare it to the sec model i i'd actually take it a step further i know you were hedging on the the eight game 
uh, conference slate. Like I'm all about that. I think if you look at the college football playoff and, you know, the reality is now college football is geared towards the semifinals, right? And those four teams. And even if you're in a signature bowl, that was this classic game. If it's not one of those um, sites for a college football playoff, like it doesn't seem to resonate as much and it doesn't grab as much national attention from the media. So to me, if you look at, at what the CFP has been, Guys, the, the teams and the conferences that have been left out are the ones that play nine conference uh, yeah. games. I mean, the ACC and, and the SEC, they, they've been in, in it every single year. And granted, it's Alabama and Clemson. But look, I mean, you're generating automatic losses into your league. I'm a huge fan of of, of playing the eight or, or playing nine. It doesn't really matter to me as long as everyone's doing it. I've talked to David Shaw about this a ton. And how do you go and sit there and, and, and really evaluate – um, you know, apples to apples, like these schedules, like it's just really hard. And I know he's been a big champion for consistency across the board. I hope to God we get to that point because it is, it's frustrating. I've done the mock selection and I, I just wish people understood the challenges and the losses that automatically are generated. Like you're, you have guaranteed losses with a nine game conference schedule that you don't have when you play eight in some of those other leagues like the SEC. It's just this uphill battle and, and I'm, I'm with you guys on it. Yeah, the thing is, the four California teams insist on playing each other. And so if you go from nine games down to eight, now USC and UCLA aren't going to the Oregon and Washington schools as often, and they're not going to have any of that because those are huge crowds, and and their fan bases want USC and UCLA to come up there. So You're right. And look, I mean... We've we've had these conversations. It's like 9 a.m. start time or not having a 9 a.m. start time. Like the reality is, people, no matter what decision you you're, you make, people are going to be upset with it. There's always going to be this small group. So, to me, I'd go like, hey, what's the majority, and how do we how do we put ourselves in a position to compete at the highest level for national championships? Um, and to me, you get some natties and you get some more respect on on the West Coast teams. I think the fans will still be pretty excited about that. He's Mike Yam. Look for Yam and Yogi, a podcast, a TV show, possibly (laughs) some coffee table books. Lots of photos coming your way. Thanks, Mike. I love it. Guys, you guys are the best. Thank you again. Mike Yam, Pac-12 Networks, and they're broadcasting live here, bringing the pregame show on the road, and they'll be here this weekend. DJ and PK coming up. Theo Lawson, Washington State beat reporter for the Spokesman Review. He had a story all written in the third quarter, no doubt, PK. And then he had to rewrite it. We'll get to him next. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Big show. Big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Former Ute quarterback, he's Frank Dolce. We don't know the official status of Zach Moss, but let's assume he does not play against Washington State. What did you see from those other guys last week, and how is that running game going to be? Zach Moss makes Utah's running game elite. All the other guys make Utah's running game really, really good, but Zach Moss is at a different level. That's a tough loss, but I think they certainly have the depth of talent to overcome the loss of Zach Moss. Washington State has shown some susceptibility in the run game on the defensive side. I think Utah will be fine in the run game this weekend. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Right now, we're talking Pac-12 football with Washington State beat reporter Theo Lawson. He writes for the Spokesman Review and covers the Cougars. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Theo, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well this morning. I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure you wrote at least two stories. Did you have to write three for that UCLA game? You had the one where it was a blowout. Did you write one where UCLA came back and made it a game, or did you just wait and then write it at the end that UCLA won it? Or did you actually rewrite it three times as that thing kept yeah, someone changing? Actually, someone actually asked me that, that, that same question yesterday. And I, I, I believe I had kind of a first, a first, uh, first game for written, up, written, written up by the time the Cougars took a 49-17 lead. And then Obviously, I had to change it a couple times throughout the third and fourth quarter. So, you know, I believe I probably wrote two or three different leads for the story and kind of ended up having a winning lead and a losing lead. And obviously, deleted the winning lead once once the Cougars kind of finally folded there in the last minute. So, how did they come back from that? I mean, that was just the ultimate stunner. Yeah, you know, Mike Leach kind of called it just just, just kind of like a complete collapse where we're all three phases, you know, obviously on offense. The Cougars turn it over six times. If, if they only turn it over five, turn it over five times, maybe 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 they come out with the win there. The, the, the defense, hit, you know, which which had been kind of suspect the, the, the first three games, you know, give, gives up six or seven points to a UCLA team that, that that had only scored fourteen points in each game leading up to that point. And then obviously on special teams, the, the, the Cougars give up a sixty-nine yard punt return touchdown and then a one hundred yard kickoff return touchdown. So so so. We're, we're, Really, you can kind of look at look at every every phase of the game and probably point to one or two things that, 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 that you know those things are going differently. That the, the, the Cougars probably walk out with a win. So I'm curious, as a beat writer dealing with people, uh, you know, throughout the week on multiple occasions, how long does it take to get over that? Are they not over it? Depending on what they say, what's the body language like? What do you think? You know, I just, just just kind of talking to players and coaches the last couple of days. I I really do think that that, that they are over it. You know, at least that's what they're that's what they're saying. That that's kind of what their body language shows them when we talk to them. You know, obviously I'm sure it's it's, it's pretty impossible to to kind of avoid a loss like that. You know, these, these players are obviously on social media a lot, so so I'm, I'm sure it comes up every time they kind of scroll through their Twitter feed or Instagram feed. So, so I mean, I'm I'm, 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 I'm I'm sure you can't completely kind of wipe it wipe it clean from from, from your from your memory. But but you know, I'm just just talking to Mike Leach two days. Ago, he kind of, he kind of, I, I, I think I asked him about the special teams, and he said, "You know, we're, we're moving on from the past game. We already covered the past game. We're kind of we're kind of moving forward to the next game." And then he kind of pointed to pointed to the player who was going to talk to the media next, and said, "He's not talking about the past game, and none of the players are talking about the past game." So, so I, I, I really think it's kind of a next game mentality. But, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the Cougars are pretty pretty fired up, and then I'm, I'm sure they want to get back on the field pretty quickly. So we know all about Washington State's quarterbacks in recent years. We can name them, and now Anthony Gordon comes in, throws nine TD passes. How good is he relative to these other quarterbacks that we've seen do so well for the Cougars? I, th- I think it's still 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 a little tough to, to judge Anthony Gordon because, because the you know the teams that he has played have, have been New Mexico State, Northern Colorado, and Houston, and, and um, obviously UCLA last game. So, so I'm, I'm I'm really kind of interested in this in this next game to see how he stacks up against uh, you know the Utah team that's always been kind of praised for his defense. You know they're they're, they're obviously really tough up front and then they play pretty well in the defensive backfield. So I'm I'm really curious to see how he kind of responds against a real Pac-12 defense. You know UCLA UCLA is is probably one of the 
the worst in Pac-12, and they probably compare more to uh, the, to, to the Northern Colorados and New Mexico states than than, than the Utah, Cal, Washington. So, uh, you know, but, 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 but so so far so good. He's he just, just just kind of the next guy in the long line of Mike Leach era quarterbacks, and he's actually kind of on pace to, to have a more prolific passing season than, than even Gardner Mitchell had last year. Luke Falk had a couple of years ago, so he's he's doing a great job so far. He, he, he's a little bit different than Gardner Mitchell. He's not not as loud and boisterous, but he, he is very confident. He could get kind of likes to talk to the defense a little bit. So, so I mean, they, 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 they definitely like him back there, and he, he has a really strong arm. He was actually a former baseball player, got, got drafted in, in, in high school by, by the New York Mets, so, so probably could have gone on to a pretty good baseball career, too. So he, he, he's been doing, doing, doing a pretty good job back there for the Cougars so far. So I'm curious, as they watch the tape of Utah uh, give up over 300 yards passing USC, how much they draw from that and how much they look at that and say, well, SC's receivers made big plays and SC's receivers are really unlike any other group of receivers in the conference. Both teams throw the ball a lot, but they do it differently. Washington State has more of the system and SC's got multiple NFL receivers there. Has, uh, has Leach addressed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure they, I'm sure they kind of looked at the film and found, found some similarities. And you know, obviously, Utah played a lot of man coverage against against USC, and so so the, the, the players we talked to a couple of days ago kind of seemed to think that would be the case again. And I mean, I, I believe that the Cougars think that's an advantage if if they use go go back to the man coverage and don't don't ever switch to zone coverage. You know, I, I, I think they felt pretty good about their own receivers. Did they have a couple of guys on the uh, on the Coffee Award watch list? And I'm not, I'm not sure for from 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 the kind of the top four guys. I'm, I'm not sure Washington State is quite as good as USC, but, but Washington State has, has seven, eight guys who, who, who they, they kind of believe in that they believe can make plays. You know, Aesop Winston Jr. has eight touchdowns for four games. Desmond Patman is kind of an NFL caliber guy out there. So you know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if the if the Utes kind of go 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 back to the man coverage, they, they, they felt pretty good about sticking one of their receivers on the outside against one one of the one of those Utah cornerbacks. But we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if Kyle Winningham kind of changes it up and then kind of. Kind of goes more to his own coverage look, just just because of what happened against uh, you know against another area scheme last week. So we saw the special teams really hurt Washington State in this ball game against the Bruins. Was that a one shot deal, or did they really have a problem there? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I would probably guess it's a, it's a little bit of both. I, I haven't seen the Cougars really struggle on special teams like that this season, or or even last season, or two years ago. Really, since I've since I've covered the team, that they haven't really struggled like that in one game. So I'm not, I'm I'm not sure if it was more of an aberration on UCLA just kind of making some some plays late in the game with with uh, you know Washington State's backs against the wall and Washington State was a little fatigued. UCLA has has some pretty pretty fantastic athletes. So I'm 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 not, I'm not sure if it was more random than than, 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 than kind of a trend, but but. Uh, Obviously, you, you, you can't give up a power turn touchdown, a kick return touchdown, and expect to win any football game. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's something they're, uh, they're harping on pretty big this week. You know, Mike Leach went to the Pac-12 media days and really made a case for his team being good, made a case for his team winning the division, talked about it 11-2 and and all the guys they had back. Yes, they were changing quarterbacks, but they had a lot of players returning who he said should all be better. So it kind of set up in my mind this, you know, get to the Pac-12 title game or bust attitude. Do they really carry that week in and week out? And if so, how was that attitude dented or, you know, hurt by this loss to UCLA? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I believe I believe for this team, when, 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 when you kind of look at the past couple of years, they, 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 they've gone into that, that last game against Washington, the Apple Cup, and they kind of had a chance to win the Pac-12 North there. That they haven't gotten over that happen, and then until they do, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, the, winning the Pac-12 North is really in the cards for, for Washington State, but, but, but obviously, when, when, when you're winning nine games, eleven games, you, 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 you kind of expect to make that next uh, next step at some point. So, so that that was a realistic goal, a realistic goal that they carried into the season, but but that. You know, now, 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 now you kind of have to do some soul, soul searching, I guess. And obviously, UCLA as a team, especially at home, that, that, that you kind of, kind of expect to almost be a gimme game because you are going to have to go go on the road to play Utah. You're, you're, you're going to have to go on the road to play ASU, Cal, Washington, and Oregon. So, so you know, you 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 have to you have to kind of pick up pick pick up the easy wins at home when you can. And obviously, the, the Cougars are going to play Colorado at home later on this year. They're going to they're going to play Oregon State. They're going to play Stanford. So, so, so you probably have to go undefeated at home if, if you have any chance of of, of, of winning the winning the Pac-12 North. And obviously, you have to pick up a couple of big road wins. We'll kind of see where where the Pac-12 shapes shapes up here in a, here here in a couple of months. But obviously, you definitely not expect that the Cougars to lose to UCLA here this week. So that that kind of changes the, the whole scope of the season. Neil Lawson, Washington State beat reporter for the Spokesman Review. Join us here to look ahead to Saturday night's game. Theo, thanks for a few minutes. Great. Thank you, guys. Washington State and Utah, similar stories. They both started 3-0. They both lost a conference game. They thought they were going to win, and now one of them is going to be 0-2 when this one's done. Yeah, but Washington State is way more horrendous. Inexcusable. 32 points at home. And the other team's 0-3. Yes. And has lost 12 of the last 15 games. Right. Where did UCLA get <laughs> where did UCLA get that? That has been when they were left for dead in that game. Yeah. That's why I don't buy all the players quit. Because if you're ever gonna quit, why wouldn't you have quit in that situation? Seems like an excellent opportunity. Yeah, you're down and you're getting hammered. Yeah, you're 0-3, coming off three and nine, you're on the road and you're down by thirty two. It's the third biggest comeback in college football history. And you manage to find a way. Now, Washington State tripped all over themselves. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. All forms of turnovers. Special teams, uh, fumbles. I mean, just, uh, and then they allow special teams touchdowns. I mean, it was just an atrocious game. It was just mind-boggling beyond belief. I've never really even seen anything like it, and maybe I have, but I don't remember it. So how do they bounce? But to me, their bounce back is a lot harder than Utah's bounce back. You talk about you talk about beat by big time receivers. Yeah. All right, it happens. But Washington State, no, it doesn't happen. But yet it did. And now they got to go on the road, come here. Uh, this is this is such an intriguing game. It added to the intrigue. We went from possibly two ranked teams undefeated game day to two desperate teams just desperately needing a win to salvage a season <laughs> in one week. That's basically the scenarios that we've gone for. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit over here, but not that much. And I'm certainly not exaggerating with two ranked teams and game day being here versus two teams that are trying to salvage a season relative to their expectations. If they both won and they were both 4-0, there's plenty of speculation that game day would be here. But they both lost. Game day's out. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. They're really, I think they were actually out before Washington State even lost. I think they wanted two unbeatens. Yeah, I know. But nonetheless, 
here they are. And 0-2 is a major problem in the division race for teams that had high hopes no coming doubt. in. No yeah, That is absolutely. a major problem. And the Utes overcame it last year and got to 6-3 and three and got in. But you can't count on 6-3 and three getting there. It seems like 7-2 and two is the average record for the average team going to a Pac-12 title game. There have been a few 8-1s, and, and there have been a few 6-3s. and threes. But 7-2 and two is, is a pretty common number. Yep. All right, DJ, PK, your feedback coming up next. Yach, you got a few, uh, you got a few open mics in there? We have some. We can use a few more always. All right, pick up your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic. Send us your take. We've been talking Cougars today. Been talking Utes. What are you thinking? Heading into a weekend full of football. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. There's some games that Utah have scheduled that make no sense to me. Like, you shouldn't be doing a home-and-home with Wyoming. San Diego State? That makes sense to me. Dropping BYU for Florida? Yes, that makes sense to me. So I look at it from a few different positions because I've, I've been there as a player. I'm calling mom and dad as a sophomore, and I'm saying, hey, get your tickets. We're going out to Gainesville. We're going to go see the Swamp. As a Utah fan, I'm looking at this game in a couple years, and I'm like, oh, that's an amazing experience. Yeah. I get to go down and watch my Utes against the Gators in that stadium and then the following year I've got the Gators coming to Rice Echo Stadium an SEC powerhouse a national treasure when it comes to college football it's a no-brainer catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network what PK is saying is if the Jazz don't go 82-0, and 0, they're a disappointment because they're supposed to win every game. I'm okay with BYU and Utah not playing. I don't think the rivalry gets bigger by any means. I think it can stay the same, but uh, if it hurts anybody, it's hurting BYU, especially with the amount of losses in a row. Oh, my God. Everybody sounds so pissed off on the phone today, and I can't take it anymore. I'm so tired of being pissed off. So I just want to let you guys know you guys do a great show, and thank you. Hit that liner because I got something to say. DJ and PK, it's Feedback of the Day, brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Are you going to talk about being misquoted? I said the Jazz are going to have 20 to 25 losses. <laughs> you did. Just because you have a schedule. Welcome to the NBA. Right. And so that doesn't make any sense there, bro. And then secondly, how does not playing Utah hurt BYU because they've had all the losses. Logic would dictate that that actually helps them because then they'd have a chance to win. I think what has hurt the rivalry are probably three things. Number one, they're not playing for conference titles anymore. They're not playing in the last no, game of the season did. anymore. Right, but there's always a perception that at least one team was playing for it, and they weren't always. You know, TCU won titles, and BYU and Utah were playing for second place. But often, one team or another had something on the line going into that last game. And even if they didn't, it's still the last game. Nah. Playing early changes it. Nah. And But what's really had the impact is Utah winning every year. Utah putting together a streak. I don't think BYU fans come into it with the same anticipation. I thought oh. this year a lot of BYU fans came into it 
It's kind of like, all right, well, yeah, but that's because we they're trying shot. to protect themselves. Right. No, I think the rivalry has increased because of the fact that they're not playing every uh, for anything supposedly. Because now, if I lost to BYU but I won the conference, who cares? The first time the Devils went to the Rose Bowl, they lost to the U of A. I take that every time. So I that doesn't that, make any sense. I think the not playing definitely juiced it up. I thought the Vegas Bowl. It was kind of like, all right, it's been two years. Let's go neutral side. I thought that actually. That absolutely right. Fired so me. that's what I'm saying. Not playing it has increased the right. intensity of the rivalry. I I think what's taking some of the steam out of we it got is some dumb the listeners. Utes winning nine in a row and Cougar fans wanting to protect themselves, lowering their expectations, as opposed to both teams going in with high, both fan bases. There's going no with high steam out of it. Are you kidding me? They go after each other all the time. I've been on this Twitter thing and this these two ding dongs for the last 24 hours. I woke up this morning and there were over 35 notifications on my Twitter spiel because these somebody two got, ding-dongs going, going back, back and, and forth. forth. And you're tagged in it yeah. so you keep getting everyone? Yeah, no, I don't even it. read it because I don't care about that <laughs> stuff. But the intensity, is it's just as intense. It hasn't decreased at all. This is one of the greatest rivalries in the country and they don't even need to play. And I would say take some more time off. It only fuels the fire even more. DJ and PK, we're done. Tony and Austin are coming up next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.